Section 10 of Guelphs and Ghibellines by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 9 The Duke of Athens, Joanna of Naples, Rienzi, Part 1. Although Mastino della Scala had made peace with Florence and Venice, yet a number of his enemies still remained in arms against him, and especially the lords of Milan and Mantua opportunity was taken to deprive him of the town of parma which was of a special value to him as forming a link between his southern and his northern possessions it seemed strange at first to find the fortunes of two towns so distant as parma and lucca so closely linked together but we must remember that in the present century although separated by the chain of the apennines they formed a joint duchy for marie louisa the widow of napoleon parma was seized by one of the family of correggio who were deadly enemies of the rossi to whom together with lucca the town had been sold by john of bohemia the loss of parma made the possession of lucca valueless or even burdensome to mastino who was therefore glad to sell it to the florentines for two hundred and fifty thousand florins this was a very large sum for them to pay considering the ruinous expense of the war they had just concluded and the debt which they had contracted in consequence of it but they were not allowed to take possession of it without opposition the pisans could not bear to see the florentines established in a city which would give them the command of the whole valley of the arno and would seriously threaten their own independence they obtained the assistance of the gonzago the carraras the Correggi, and other ghibelline nobles and advanced against lucca on august twenty second thirteen forty one the florentines collected an army on their side and occupied the town with a small number of troops the two hosts were now arrayed face to face the pisans and their allies besieged each of the three gates in the manner of the seven against thebes at last after the chivalrous custom of those days a battle was arranged between the two armies which resembled a huge tournament the palisades which had been planted for defence were pulled up so that neither side might have an advantage and on october second the fight took place it resulted in the entire defeat of the florentines notwithstanding this disaster they determined to continue the struggle they were able to place another army in the field toward the end of march thirteen forty two under the command of malatesta of rimini but they were hampered in their operations by violent floods of the arno which prevented the evolutions of cavalry they were forced to retire and on july sixth lucca the object of so much labour and the cause of such terrible losses yielded herself to the pisans the florentines were overwhelmed by discontent and dismay there was serving as lieutenant in the army of the florentines walter of brienne duke of athens who had on a previous occasion acted in florence as the representative of the duke of calabria he was at this time on his way from avignon to naples and he had been recommended to the florentines by king robert of sicily as a man in whom he had entire confidence with a fickleness not unusual in italian governments of this epoch they deposed malatesta from his command and transferred it to the duke of athens making him at the same time capitano delle guardia and conservatore del popolo 
and invested him with the Capitaneria Generale della Guerra for one year. At this time there were three parties struggling for the mastery in Florence. The Popolo Grasso, or rich merchants, who held the chief power in their hands, the Grandi, or nobles, who were kept down by the ordinances of justice, and the Popolo Minuto, or common people, who came at a later time to be called the Ciampi, a corruption of compari or compere, a French term of good fellowship, applied strictly to persons who stand as godfather to the same child. Walter held out hope to the Grandi that he would restore their power and abolish the ordinances of justice. He executed a Medici and an Altoviti, two of the most important of the rich merchant families. He fined a Rossi and a Rucellai. By this conduct he won the nobles to his side. The people were already his supporters, regarding him as likely to rid them of the tyranny of the Popolo Grasso, and wherever he went they saluted him with cries of Viva il Signore. When Walter thought that the proper time had come, he summoned a general meeting of all the citizens in the great square of Santa Croce to deliberate on the condition of the Republic. The priors, being afraid that the people would invest him with the seigneury by general acclamation, made an arrangement by which he should continue the office he then held for another year, that is, to August 1st, 1343, on the same conditions as those on which the Duke of Calabria had held the seigneury of the city. The next day, September 8th, the people met in the great square before the Palazzo Publico, seized the priors and imprisoned them, proclaimed Walter Signor of Florence for life, drew down the banner of Florence from the tower of the palace, and hoisted the banner of the duke to fly there in its place. The revolution had been effected by the common people, but the grandi illuminated and lighted bonfires to celebrate their triumph. The Duke of Athens lost no time in consolidating his power. He received, one after the other, the Signoria of Arezzo, of Pistoia, of Colle di Valle d'Elza, of San Gimignano, and of Volterra. He got together a bodyguard of eight hundred soldiers from the French and Burgundian troops which were scattered throughout Italy, and summoned his family to Italy to share his fortunes. The Florentines had hoped that the Duke of Athens would at least be able to secure to them the possession of Lucca, but in this they were disappointed. On October 14th he made a treaty with Pisa by which Lucca was secured to them for five years, on the condition that the appointment of the Podesta was left in the hands of the Duke, and that the Pisans would pay a yearly tribute to the Duke of eight hundred florins and a silver cup. After the expiration of this time, Lucca was to be independent, and the exiles were to be recalled. But now a spirit of discontent with the duke's domination began to spread through each class of the population. The Grandi found that notwithstanding that the ordinance of justice had not been honoured by order of the duke, they were not permitted to any larger share in the government of the state. The priori were re-established, and representatives of the lowest guilds were admitted to their college. The morals of the duke and his followers were so dissolute as to form a most severe grievance to all the citizens. It was seen that his principal object was to obtain money for himself, 
and during the ten months that his domination lasted he extracted four hundred thousand florins from the city two hundred thousand of which he deposited safely in france and apulia he made an offensive and defensive alliance with his brother tyrants of northern italy with mastino della scala with the house of este and with the lords of bologna florence had never been nearer to losing her liberty and undergoing the fate of the great cities of the lombard plain the machinations of despotism called into existence many conspiracies to overthrow it but the ducal police was so vigilant that the different knots of conspirators knew nothing about each other's operations and were unable to act in concert at last in the summer of thirteen forty three three serious conspiracies were formed one was headed by the archbishop of florence another by two of the donati family a third by antonio degli adinari the duke when he was informed of these plots against him summoned assistance from bologna and on july twenty fifth invited three hundred of the more important citizens of florence to the palace intending to make them prisoners they knew that if they obeyed the summons death awaited them so they refused to go and fortified their houses the following day the old banners of the guilds were displayed once more every class in the town rose simultaneously against the duke and cries of death to the duke and his followers long live the people the state and liberty sounded in every part of the city help was obtained from siena and pisa and all animosities were forgotten in resistance to the common danger the duke made a faint resistance but before evening he was made a prisoner in his palace here he was besieged till august third when he surrendered on the condition of safety for himself and his followers on august sixth he left the city escorted by the sienese troops and by a number of citizens he retired to the castle of Popi in the cosentino or upper valley of the arno where with great reluctance he delivered up the signoria which he had so shamefully abused july twenty sixth the day of st anne the anniversary of the delivery of the city was ever afterwards celebrated as a solemn holiday the expulsion of the duke of athens was naturally followed by a change in the constitution of the city the nobles had taken such a patriotic share in this beneficent revolution that it was felt unjust to exclude them any longer from office the town was now divided into four quartieri or quarters instead of six sestieri as the sestieri had become unequal in wealth and importance they were named after the four great churches santo spirito santa croce santa maria novella and san giovanni three priors were chosen from each quarter two from the popolo grasso and one from the nobles making in all twelve the anciani were raised to the number of eight one popolano and one grande from each quarter the arrangements of the squitinio were altered in the same direction at the same time the popolo minuto were only admitted to the lower offices probably on this account this arrangement only lasted a very short time on september third less than two months after the expulsion of the duke of athens the people rose once more against the power of the nobles there was fighting in all the streets and the bridges between the old city and the ultrarno were especial objects of contention at last the nobles were vanquished 
and the Popolo Minuto were admitted to their full share in the offices of the state. A balia or assembly was formed in the following manner, consisting of the gonfalonieri della justicia, the eight priors, one plus eight equals nine, twelve anciani, nine plus twelve equals twenty-one, the standard-bearers of the sixteen higher guilds, twenty-one plus sixteen equals thirty-seven, five standard-bearers of the mercancia, or lower guilds, thirty-seven plus five equals forty-two, two representatives from each of the twenty-one guilds, forty-two plus forty-two equals eighty-four, and twenty-eight artisans from each of the four quarters of the city, twenty-eight plus four equals one hundred and twelve, making a total number of one hundred and ninety-six. There were eight priors, three from the Popolo Grasso, three from the Popolo Minuto, and two from the Mediani, or middle class. The Gonfalonieri was to be chosen from each of these classes in turn. The Grandi were excluded from office, but, as a special favor, thirty-five noble families were struck out of the list of nobles, and included in the ranks of the ordinary citizens. This constitution remained unaltered for about fifteen years. End of section 10